My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. All right, let's jump in. If you've got your handout, we'll start uh, with your handout on page 7 with a uh, quick review. Uh, The reviews are getting quicker each week, by the way, so just in case you're wondering. The... uh, start with some assumptions that all believers talk about the Bible. This is week four in our series about talking about the Bible, and it's, it's evolved a little bit as we've gone in, but mostly-ish stayed the same, so that's good. Uh, and believers don't always follow a very Bible-informed process. And if this is a new concept to you that the Bible speaks into all parts of our life, including how the Bible itself is to be handled and communicated, then... That's a good uh, awareness for us. And then in our current age of outrage, we can do better. So we want to be prepared, faithful, and engaging when we talk about the Bible, uh, when we engage uh, others with the Scripture. Uh, And then we have some things that the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us what the Bible is, what the Bible gives, and the resources that God provides. Uh, And these are very helpful things for us. The Father gives us the Scripture, the Father gives us the Spirit, and then we also have the church to help with confirmation and correction as needed. So the schedule where we've gone with this series uh, and all of this information is at the uh, OurSundaySchool.com site. So if you want to go to the Read tab, uh, you can go click on the different links here. But our schedule for this series has been uh, week one, we talked about prayer, that it's okay to take a moment and pray before we begin to actually talk about the Scripture. Uh, Hearing, to make sure we understand the text. Thinking, uh, was last week, uh, thinking deeply about the Scripture, and today is talking, uh, which may not be the thing that you think it is. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll look at uh, sharing the actual content. So if you look at uh, your handout, uh, the review process, step number one there, the prayer, um, our attitudes here, our attitudes of fear and dependency and expectancy, we're asking for illumination, for wisdom, and for hearing for the hearers. So I'll give us a second here just to practice uh, process step one as we begin to position ourselves and our hearts to listen to the Scripture. So take a moment. I'm sure you have an attitude of fear, dependency, expectancy, that we are, in fact, ready to hear God's holy word being read and taught and talked about. So... One of the things that you'll notice as we go through these different steps is that there will be, and I have found this to be true every single time I have ever done any of these, but there will be a multitude of distractions, uh, both distractions that are physical in the room that you are in, physical that are outside the room that you are in, and then things that are just being pummeled into your mind of whether it be an electronic device dinging or beeping or buzzing or flashing, or it is a thought that comes in. And this is not something that is easy or learned in one Sunday school class. Uh, So don't be frustrated if you go through this process and you you haven't done some of these or haven't done some of these for a long time before. I would encourage you to stick with it. Uh, Process step number two is hearing. Um, I've said this each week that I believe that 
a, a vast source of our misunderstanding and miscommunication and, and angst and sometimes even anger around the Scripture comes from we don't actually know what the, the Word says. So we need to hear this, the words of the Scripture. Um, so this is hearing the Bible being read out loud. We looked at Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, these attitudes of respect and deference to whatever the text says, that is what we will do. Uh, so our actions are to read the Bible out loud to each other and to hear the Bible being read out loud. So uh, I want to take just a moment, and we're going to practice process step number two. And I want to read John 18, 1 through 11. So you feel free to listen. Just feel free to listen. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, where, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So our third process step is think, to think about the Scripture. Uh, and I, I honestly believe this is the one that we skip the most often. Um, I think most of us, at some point in the conversation or in the dialogue about the Scripture, we recognize our need for dependency on God and ask for some type of help. There's a prayer in there somewhere. Many times there is an actual opening of the Scripture and reading the Scripture but so, so often in my life, I think I know the question that is being asked and I want to answer and I'm just waiting for this person to stop talking so I can talk. Has anybody ever been there before? Like, th this is the, like, just think about Scripture. If, if there is anything that I think our current society does not value, it is just thought time. Like, when was the last time you went to your boss and you, and you told your boss, I need a half an hour to think about the problem at hand? Yeah, you might get laughed at, right? Yeah. But what we are commanded to do with the Scripture is to not rush and not hurry. There's no place in the Bible where the Scripture informs us, now rush through this interaction with God. It just, it's just not there. So I think a conscious, intentional slowing down and thinking would be very helpful. We, we saw some attitudes last week of humility and wonder and steadfastness, this idea of we must continue to do this. We looked at texts that talked about thinking about God's Word day and night and thinking up, this having this mind in Colossians 3. Uh, so I will, I will give us a moment here uh, to practice process step number three, taking a moment to think about in a humble way in a way that acknowledges uh, this wonder and in a steadfast way, 
John 18, 1 through 11. And if you need to look at the text while you think about it, that's fantastic. That's great. And if you want to add in prayer while you think about it, that is fantastic. That's great. Because these steps are additive. They're not, you only do this and you never get to go back and do it again. It's, I mean, you know, Brian says this often and I love the quote, it's open book. So, as life generally is. I'll give you a, a minute just to think about John 18, 1 through 11. So hopefully in your thinking, there was a question or two or 20 or 50. Hang on to those. We're going to get to those in just a minute here. Well, maybe not in a minute, maybe in 10 minutes. Uh, and as we look at process step number four, talking. So flip over to the back side. So just like uh, hearing, I've got a what it is and what it isn't. So let's talk about what it's not. So talking about the Bible is not... I need to go find somebody and tell them all my opinions about God's Word. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible tell us to do anything even remotely close to that. Um, what we see many times in the Scripture is people engaging around what God has said and challenging each other and helping each other and leaning into each other's lives and engaging in a way that is helpful and God-focused, that is not a... Look how important I am and what my opinion is on this. That, that, like that is just not uh, uh, applauded in the Scripture. If you want to see a couple instances of that, from Job chapter 4 to 37-ish, there's some of that that goes on. The, well, I think that, and then God shows up and he corrects all of that garbage theology at the end, right? So we, we need to be very uh, careful about that. Um, so let's look at the first attitude that I think is helpful. So Luke 2.52. And if you are a parent of a child at any age, I hope that Luke 2.52 is something that you are praying for for your children and teaching specifically your children about how to model a life that looks like Jesus Christ and what he did when he was small. And if it's not, then I would encourage you that these are four beautiful categories to think about the, your child's uh, growth and development. So Luke 2.52. Right, and how old was he here? I heard it. Twelve, yes, he was twelve. Now I want you to think about something for just a second. So there's a, there's a, there's a resoundingly yes answer to the question I'm about to ask. Okay, so the answer is a resounding yes. Was, is, and will be Jesus always flawlessly perfect? Yes. Awesome. I love it. Right? So let me think about this for a second. 
So he was flawlessly perfect at the moment of conception when the Holy Spirit did inside Mary that moment of miraculous wonder and fulfillment of prophecy. Right? And he was flawlessly perfect when the shepherd showed up overwhelmed that the Messiah was here. As, as, a, as an infant, he is holding the universe together with the power of his word. I mean, it's just, it's mind-bogglingly staggering in its implications. And Luke 2.52 is true. And he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, there's, there's one of these that we all look at and we go, well, yeah, he got bigger, right? He increased in stature. Well, that makes sense. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're okay with that. Right? And then the, and in favor with men, right? Because the, the more you get to know him, like, he's not like other people, right? This, this kind of makes sense too. All right, all right. But there's two other parts to this that make some of our heads kind of go, I'll do my best Bill Brandenburg. Huh? He increased in wisdom? Yes, he did. How do I know this? The text says it. <laughs> and he increased in favor with God. Now, this is beautiful. And I am not about to try to explain this because there's a principle here. That's right. <laughs> that is not today's lesson. <laughs> In 2048, we'll get to Luke in our Bible series, <laughs> and we'll tackle it then. But what I want us to see here, real quick, I want us to see that if Jesus had capacity to increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor in men, might we also? Does this make sense? Right? So if, I, if the only flawless human being that ever lived grew, we might have space to grow as well. We, we good with that? Feels like a safe conclusion? All right, so attitude number one is incompleteness. Incompleteness. It's a really long word. And if she can spell it right, that I am like beyond impressed. Oh, we got sticker time. That's awesome. Even better. All right, brother, I put you off because I wanted to land that plane right there. So come back and help me out. He came with, up with an A idea, yes. <clears throat> That's right. That's right. That's right. He, is, he has always been, is right now, and will be in whatever type of future exists where they are, pleased with his son, which is wonderful. Which means he doesn't have to be thoroughly pleased with me and my actions because Jesus has satisfied the Father and I am in him and good to go. Right? Literally, good to go. Waiting, ready to go. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, no, no. I... <laughs> There's selective filtering at times, yes. Uh... All right, so, that, so I, just, I just want us to, this initial attitude of incompleteness 
And I think that it creates space enough for the second attitude to exist. So let's look at uh, Acts 28. Uh, one of my favorite... I, I, I feel like I say this every time we turn the pages of Scripture. Um, and they're not all my favorites, but there are some that, that just resonate quite deeply in, uh, because I focused on so many wrong parts of this when I was younger last week. And um, uh, all right, so this is not the right text that I have written. Somebody grab your Bible, your electronic Bible, and look for Apollos, A-P-O-L-L-O-S. That should have been earlier. For Agrippa. This is what happens when I don't walk through my own notes. Is it 18? Thank you, Darla. Excellent. There we go. I hope you guys understand how much I appreciate you and your uh, knowledge of the scripture and the fact that you don't freak out when I like get something wrong. That's exceedingly calming and helpful to me. So thank you for that. Uh, so Acts 18, just make a little mark and fix that in your hand out there. Uh, 24 through 28. Uh, so this is uh, the story of Apollos. And we'll just, we'll just read the text through here. So now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. The, the, the eloquent has this sense of, uh, if you look at an expanded definition, it has this sense of he was familiar with art and literature and history and could speak fluently on any of these topics. Like Apollos was the guy that you wanted to invite to your party because the conversation would never die because he would always have something like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was... And he was mighty in the scripture, so he could weave in scripture well. I mean, it's just a, a really interesting fellow. And if the Holy Spirit says that you are mighty in the scriptures, I feel like we've checked a certain box there, right? So let's keep going. He came to Ephesus, and this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. It's good. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only of the baptism of John. So pause here for just a second. So think about Jesus' life. So he, he knew the Messiah had come. He knew that the Messiah had been baptized by John, but like he, he didn't know what had happened since. Now, from the baptism of John to Acts chapter 19, has there been anything significant that's occurred in the life of Jesus? Like what happened? He was crucified and the resurrection occurred, right? Like Apollos didn't know Easter happened, right? See, this is a big, gaping, sucking chest wound in his theology of like, somebody needs to help the man out, <laughs> right? We have a hole. All right, so what happens? So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. You know what he did? He took what he knew and he spoke boldly of it. Now that's good, right? And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And the idea here is that there's a filling in, a completing that he needed. Now, 
Does the text say anywhere in the book of Acts that Aquila and Priscilla had any public speaking acumen at all? It does not. They saw a brother that had a hole in his theology that needed help. So you know what they did? They leaned in, and they engaged, and they helped him. So now what have you done? Now we have helped to complete and to round out this man who is eloquent, who can stand before probably anyone, and is mighty in the Scriptures. We're going to take all of that Old Testament knowledge that he had, and now we're going to funnel that through the filter of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And how much more of the Old Testament now makes sense that the Messiah has been sacrificed and is gone to prepare a place for his bride? Wow, right? That's exactly right. The, the word here uh, has this sense of uh, not publicness. It, it is. It's a very big deal. And verse 27, And when he desired to cross uh, to Achaia, uh, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, they sent word ahead and said, We're vouching for him. Right, so they helped his theology, and then they vouched for him. And I don't know if you ever had anybody vouch for you. But it is a humbling and encouraging thing when somebody says, he's one of us. Right? She's one of us. Take them in. Love them. The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. Imagine that, right? For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. Now, what is the first thing that we learn about Apollos in verse 24? He's a Jew. Now, where did he refute the Jews? In the synagogue. Publicly. Showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. How beautiful is that? So, attitude number two teachableness. It is a word. Merriam-Webster says it's a word. It's a noun. It's a very long word, but it works. So we have this attitude of incompleteness, that there is more that we don't know that we can grow into, and we have an attitude of teachableness when we come and when we talk about the scriptures. So what are we, what are we supposed to do with that, right? What are our actions? Well, action number one is talk to those willing to teach. Now, the I've put the emphasis here on the wrong side of the equation. So I want to I tell you why, and then I want to talk about the other side of the equation too. So I've, I've put the emphasis on the side of the one who needs to learn, but there's another side of the equation that's really what Priscilla and Aquila did, which is look for those who need to be taught. Right? Does everybody see this? So there's a, there's a desire like, I, I need help with this, and then there's a... I see someone who needs help with that. Connecting dots. Theology gets better. We now have someone who can boldly proclaim Christ. So there's two sides to that. I want to make sure you, you see both sides. And then uh, 2 Timothy 4.13. Um, and 2 Timothy 4.13 is one of these uh, little verses that it's the reason we don't skip past or... Uh, Don't, all of Scripture is inspired and helpful. And when you get to the end of a letter, end of a book, it doesn't make it less important because we're doing shout-outs at that point, right? We've got to finish strong. 
So this is, uh, we'll start in verse 9. Uh, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He's finishing up here. Uh, it says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. You, see, you hear this kind of like sense of aloneness. Uh, only Luke is with me. Uh, get Mark. There's a lot there. And bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. We didn't even got to the verse I want to talk about. <laughs> I started too early. Antichicus, I have sent to Ephesus. And you've got to be a bold man to be sent to Ephesus by yourself. This, Ephesus was not a nice, pretty, neat place. This is like sending Titus out in the middle of nowhere to Crete. Bring, in verse 13, here we go. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. Why would he want a cloak? He was cold. Yeah, like, don't make this complicated. This is, he was just cold, okay? And the books, especially the parchments. Now, I want you to think about something. So if you think about the whole of the New Testament, Paul wrote a great big chunk of the New Testament. Everybody... Everybody with me on this one? Like there was a big, massive chunk of the New Testament that he wrote. And there were books, and especially the parchments. Now, the parchments could easily be talking about letters that he had written. Could be even be the original copies that he sent, that had been sent by. I mean, there's lots of things that this could be. But the books would specifically not be letters. They would be longer works. Something that had helped him. Something that when he got toward the end of his life that he needed. He talked about he was cold, he needed a coat, and he wanted specific books. So here's your next blank. Action number two. Use available resources. And go back to them as needed. There is stuff that we engage with through our lives that we will need to go back to and reference. Because wait for it, we are forgetful. <laughs> Right Now, I don't know, and I don't want to be uh, overly uh, positional here, but I don't know whether these were sentimental things that he valued or things from a content and knowledge that he valued. Like I have a dozen books at my house that, that if, if we had a very slow fire breakout and we got all the, the family out and the, like the wedding pictures and we got... I don't know what else would be important, like, like I, uh, uh, marriage certificate and birth certificates and yeah, baby pictures are all digital. We're good there. Uh, they're in the cloud, backed up on 19 servers all across the universe. Um, but there are like a half. A, and Julie would, she would be finding a weapon and stabbing me with it if she saw me do this. But I would go back in the house and there's some books that I would grab because they're kind of important to me. She's like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really, have you seen This Is Us? That was awful. <laughs> um, but there are things that I go back to over and over and over. And hopefully there are things that you go back to. And what I, what I want us to make sure that I, I get the... The order of operations right here, if I put my math hat on for a second, 
um, that this one is our first one <laughs> over and over and over and over. And if you have one book for the rest of your life, make it this one, right? Sometimes I hear and see on social media like, oh, this is a must read for Christians. And I want to go, no, it's not. It might be a helpful read. It might be an encouraging read. It might be a rebuking read. It might be whatever. This is our only must one, okay? So let's just make sure we get the must right. And there are lots of really good resources. So, Dave, if you could help me out here. Uh, one that I use a lot, uh, because I say I don't know a lot, uh, is uh, blb.org. And hopefully it is jumping up on the screen soon. Oh, look at there. Now, we've installed some new technology for those of you that hadn't been here in a while. It's a touch screen now. So you just, you just roll up. Is that awesome or what? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Shelby's like, what kind of wizardry is this? <laughs> it's not witchcraft. I'm, I'm doing it on my, my left hand here. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> that was priceless. That was priceless. <laughs> your eyes were so big. <laughs> All right, pull out your phones. BLB.org. Or you can type in Blue Letter Bible. It's a whole lot easier just to do BLB. B for blue, L for letter, B for Bible.org. It's a fantastically helpful resource. Uh, I use it, uh, I don't know, 15 times a week, probably, conservative. I mean, it's just unbelievable how often I go to this thing. So, once you're there, like seriously, I want you to pull your phones down. Go to bob.org. So, once you're there, here we go. Darla's like, no, I'm not doing that. That's okay. Oh, you've got a, you have a dumb phone? Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. So, uh, what I want you, yeah. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you to click on the menu button uh, and then the search button. And they, they bury the coolest thing on the whole website, which is kind of sad. So, menu and then search and then scroll down. And so, just as an FYI, I have no way to block ads on my phone that are showing up on the screen. This is, however, a Christian website, and the vast majority of ads that I have seen there are reasonable for a Christian to look and engage with. So hopefully they are today. Um, <laughs> so let's keep going past the multiverse retrieval, which is it's just a fancy way of saying I'm going to show you multiple verses at once. Um, keep going past all this. The scroll bar should be about halfway down the screen when you get to the lexicon search. Now this is magic. Like next, like legitimate magic, Shelby, okay? I mean, this is just crazy, crazy stuff. So, so here's how most of us do Bible study, or how, here's how I was taught to do Bible study. Uh, I wanna do a Bible study on the word love. So I go to a concordance, and I find the word love, and I look in all the different verses where the word love is, right? It's great, it's good. And the only problem with that is that we just uh, try to do uh, really technical work through about three different filters. And that's quite problematic. Um, because the, the, what you have in your hand with your phone copy of the Scripture or a printed copy of Scripture is a translation. 
It is not the original. Um, and there, I know, right? Yes, I am. I, oh, I'm positive. I am. I am quite positive on this one, Mr. Darling. So uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, click the little icon there, and we're going to type love into the box. So just type love into the box, and then click go. And so here's what's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to take it to another screen, okay? I'm going to scroll down, or, or we can, Shelby, we can scroll down just like that. And here's what's happening here. So the first is the Hebrew words that have love anywhere in their definitions. So this is a word that could be translated as love. So you want to do a comprehensive study on a topic, be comprehensive. Don't just like, like, I would describe the lexicon functionality as get out of the kiddie pool. We'll just say that, right? So uh, you've got Ahab, uh, Ahab, uh, Ohab, uh, Ahaba, uh, and then we uh, switch to uh, Daud and uh, Kabad and uh, Chimp and all these different words. And any of these that you want to click on and be like, oh yeah, I want to dig a little deeper, anything that's hyperlinked, you can click on. So these are all the different words in the Old Testament that have some form of love associated with it. And then we get to the Greek, because we can't leave the right side of the book out, right? And then you get to agapeo, and agape, and agapetos, uh, and then words I can't pronounce. Uh, and then Philadelphia, and Philadelphia. It's a much more comprehensive way to click and to do. Now, if you want to look at uh, Philadelphos, we're going to click on G5361. And what that's going to do is it's going to open up another page and show us how to pronounce the word Philadelphos. This is how I can stand up and have some estimation of what's actually going on. Tells us where it's used. Uh, gives us a definition of usage. All I mean, it's just... It's a deep, deep well. So there are resources that you carry around in your pocket for us to understand and answer questions about the Scripture that are incredibly, incredibly helpful. So we'll pause that for just a second. I'm going to go back to uh, John 18. So questions about any word in John 18. I play my Jeopardy music and wait for someone to respond? I, I, I got one. All right, fire away. Yeah. Verses 1 through 11, please. Yeah, if we, okay. Verse, I guess in verse 5, Jesus responds, I am here. Yes. I know in my ESV translation, it's not, he is not italicized. That's right. But I have seen other translations that he is italicized. Yes. So, <clears throat> That's right. That's correct. So would this help? It would, yes. So if you want to go to uh, the text box at the top and you want to type in, am I back? I'm back. Great. If you want to type in, was it John 18, 5? Yep. So let's do John uh, 18, no, 15, 18, 5, and go. Uh, so there's John 18, 5. 
And I'm going to click on the Tools button. And what that's going to show me is each one of the original words. To them, I am he. Yeah. And you don't see a word for he. Because if you were to click on this DE, you'll see that it doesn't mean he. It's an added word. Or if you actually knew the original language, you could just look at the text and you could see that he is not there. But I mean, like, that is not intuitive to me, which is why I like all the links that can tell me uh, these sorts of things. It's I am. All right. Which is uh, one of the reasons why they fell on their butts, because the I am just spoke his name. And he declared himself to be God. And if they didn't get it from the words, they probably got it from the fact that they're laying on their butts. <laughs> and, uh, and it's significant. Yes, yes. It did not stop them from their objective. It kind of, right? If you walk up to somebody and they say, I am, and then you're sitting on the ground. I, th I feel like I want to check out at this point, right? Like, can I, can, can I call in sick today and somebody else take over for me or... Yes, sir. That's a good. That's a good question. I don't. But you could use this tool to find it. <clears throat> it took me a minute, but I got there. <laughs> Does that make sense? But so what today's lesson is about is about talking to people about the Scripture. And there are people who will say, no, 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 I'm right. Right? And they go into, we go into Superman pose. It's like, I'm right. Okay. Well, there are, there are things in the universe called facts. And there are things in the universe that are uh, static. <laughs> Yay! Aren't you glad you don't have a new version every morning? It's like, well, we've got to download what God said today. And then it's going to update and revise everything. Oh my goodness. Like, this would be bad. Thank, if you haven't thanked God for the uh, stableness of his word, that might be something good to do. Uh, uh, agreed. And he hasn't. <laughs> he hasn't. Uh, it did. That's an old, old, old uh, thing. All right, so let's talk about, can we go back to the PowerPoint, Dave? Awesome. Thank you, sir. So let's talk about a couple of resources real quick. So look at the bottom of your page there. I'm a big fan of resource. If you hadn't figured this out, I'm like, I don't just dream all this stuff up. So the first one I want you to look at is Danny Aiken's Building a Theological Library. Um, and she's not here. Oh, no. It's okay. Uh, so the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary wrote a book. Imagine that, right? And uh, his book, whoops, oh, we're getting there. And his book, uh, the cover of it looks like that. Uh, and I first became aware of this uh, little book maybe six or eight months ago. Uh, Brian Smith, our associate pastor, is getting his uh, doctorate in something really hard. And he takes really hard classes and they make him read a lot of books, which is great. And I asked him one day, I said, so... So how do you know which books are good, right? Because there's a lot of theological books in the universe. I'm like, how do you know? He's like, oh, 
I've got a book for that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, I see what you did there. <laughs> that was good. And uh, basically what Dr. Aiken has done is he has read and reviewed and touched base with a lot of different people on a lot of different topics for every single book of the Bible, and he's got recommended resources that would assist, that are good, helpful, not going to get you off into theological wishy-washy land. Um, and it's divided up into technical resources. Uh, heads up, that means you need full hip waders on. <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, pastoral resources. So this is a pastor needs help crafting a sermon and devotional resources for the average human being who doesn't have all of the Greek and the Hebrew memorized, who just would like to live out the scripture. Uh, it's a fantastic little book. Uh, and yesterday, when I was searching for a picture of the cover, what I found was that it's available online as a link. So there's a link on the handout that you can click. It's really special paper, uh, Shelby. If you press and hold, it'll open it up. No, sorry. That was, that was borderline rude. I apologize. So. <laughs> Your eyes, though, they were so huge. It was wonderful. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we've shifted, right? We've shifted. <laughs> Informationally challenged like that. <laughs> the, uh, so the second resource I want you to be aware of uh, is, uh, and I, I had my first women's study this year. Uh, this is what 2018 will go down for me as. Um, and we went through a K. Arthur uh, book, uh, and it was, it was fine. The, the process was really, really helpful and nice and thorough. And I wanted to learn more about the process, so I got a book that talks about the process. And the book that talks about the process is fine. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. But the appendixes in the back are the best summary of good, healthy Bible study approaches I have ever seen. So in your notes, I've got a copy of this book, and specifically pages 157 to 192, the, the very last back, back, it is unbelievably good. Like all the stuff that I've been trying to teach us about how to study, how to prepare, how to think, how to, like she has written down in about however many of that, yeah, so just go to the back. Like the, the front will walk you, like will slow walk you through what's in the back. Just go to the back. It's just, you'll get it. Um, the third is, I don't have a picture of it because it's just online. Uh, I did a series, actually a one-off that was kind of a summary of how do you use all these online tools? So it's a, it's a pretty helpful stuff. It's got a lot of clicks and links in through. Uh, and then if you want to go like next level, then there's the, whoops. Oh, did I not picture? Oh, I didn't put a picture of this one. Uh, how to Read the Bible Like a Seminary Professor. It is not written for seminary professors. It is written for uh, people who are not seminary professors. And it is, a, it is a slower, more thorough approach toward different resources and how to use and how to engage them. So, uh, so today's resources are actually meta-resources because they're resources about other resources. So that's the kind of things that I like. So there's that. All right, so all of that to say slow down when we talk about the Bible. And all of that to say, I have gone over today. Yes, I am aware of the time. I wanted to get through some of this. Speed up as you go through the lean in and engage and pray as a table. And when you are finished, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.